Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 202 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are shaking things up a little bit and we'll be gearing our episode toward our teen and tween audience. This has just been such a big request, I think, for many listeners who have a teenager at home, and I think such a needed topic. So we'll really be diving into kind of all the things that we wish someone had told us about our health when we were teenagers. Yes, so much easier to be proactive than reactive and find yourself in your early 30s trying to pick up the mess (laughs) of what you started to unfurl from, you know, your teens on. And so this episode is going to be geared towards those, you know, anywhere age 10 through 18. It could be appropriate for a little bit younger, a little bit older, but we're going to be laying out things in a preliminary level. So this is like a 101 level of why food matters. We're going to be covering how to move your body in a healthy way, the importance of exercise and exercise recovery. We're going to be covering a little bit of screen time recommendations and the influence of that on your brain chemistry, as well as how to eat to maintain optimal body composition, healthy, clear skin, optimal energy, get good grades, and all the things that we want to focus on to thrive. So we're so excited for you to join us. Pause this, go grab your teen or tween, and let's have an awesome conversation. Yes, and we'll try to keep today's episode a little lighter, a little less geeky sciencey than kind of our usual MO so that it's very shareable and, and approachable for really anyone at any status of their journey. Exactly. It could be any age, truly, <laughs> for those that just don't get into the deep dive biochem, nerdy stuff that Becky and I love to do on other long format episodes. So even if you have a resistant cousin or aunt or uncle or someone that just wants to learn a little bit about carb control or the importance of their foods and how that makes them feel, how that influences their metabolism, this is a great 101 episode. Totally. So before we get started, we've got an exciting announcement for you guys. Our YouTube channel is live. Yes, we are super stoked to share that we are now on our fourth or fifth weekly I guess, are they called episodes, Becky, or just video releases? <laughs> we're very new at this. We're not sure. but we're, I don't know if we're YouTubers yet, but I guess we are. I don't know. <laughs> funny, funny thing to mention, my seven-year-old nephew uh, hit me up and, and said, oh my gosh, Aunt Allie's a YouTuber. I was like, yeah, I think I get some status points with that. Um, but yes, so we have, announced, we have relaunched the Naturally Nourished YouTube channel. You will see that it's been kind of a passive vehicle where I had uploaded previous television segments, 
And there's a couple webinars that maybe we've uploaded or keynote lectures that I've had uploaded. But now we will have a dedicated channel within this Naturally Nourished YouTube page that will have Thursday. Every Thursday, we will be releasing a new video. We're trying to keep them more bite-sized, if you will, but maybe chomp size because <laughs> Becky and I are quite aggressive with our you know high-intense learning. And so they're going to be about six to 12 minutes in length. They will have, most of them will have a recipe accompanied with a food as medicine topic. So we've done our keto cheddar biscuits and we've done a dietitian's take on the keto diet within that episode. We did what is a whole food and making a kale cheddar caramelized onion frittata. We have an episode where we make my low carb chocolate chip cookies and we talk all about natural sweeteners and blood sugar balance. We're super excited to share it. If you love the podcast, you will absolutely love the YouTube channel. It's more playful. It's short, like I said, bite-sized, so more approachable, easy to digest, and you're going to learn a lot in these short, condensed little pockets of information, I guess. <laughs> yes, and such a good way to get a teenager or really anybody who's kind of on the fence on, about food as medicine into what we're doing in a, a much more approachable fashion, I think. Yes. So go on over to YouTube and you can search Naturally Nourished, Allie Miller RD. It will come right up. Make sure you click the subscribe button because then every Thursday you will get your free food as medicine video sent to you or an email update that you can click on and um, we're so excited to share it with you and we so appreciate any likes or comments of course that helps us to get seen in the internet space and uh, we really hope this thing takes off and is a source of inspiration for you all yes awesome awesome and before we dive into today's topic let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode santa cruz medicinals Yes, we were so excited to partner up with Santa Cruz Medicinals, a potent and pure cannabidiol line. They provide oral CBD that is strong enough to yield clinical outcomes. And we know that this is really important when we're looking at effects that are anti-anxiety, that are aiding in deep restful sleep, supporting insomnia, as well as anti-inflammatory effects and pain relief. In fact, Santa Cruz Medicinals challenges 100 milligram a day dosage for a week to see if you notice clinical outcomes. And it's important to note that one ml of their concentrated CBD oil yields 80 plus milligrams, whereas many companies will have 20 or 30 milligrams or less. So when you're looking at your measurement, you have to always check the milligrams per milliliter to ensure that you are getting an effective dose to yield clinical outcomes. We know that we have an endocannabinoid system within the human body and that CBD is naturally made by the body. So when we're seeing dysfunction, it makes sense to give something the body that it naturally makes and requires to regulate the immune system, inflammatory processes, and communicate with our central nervous system. They have deep sleep capsules, MCT oil derived tinctures, and pain salves, and we encourage you to check them all out. We feel confident in their third-party testing for both potency and purity. You can go on over to Santa Cruz Medicinals and check out by using the code AllieMillerRD, which will save 15% off on any order. The website is sclabs.com. When you put in sclabs.com, make sure you use the coupon AllieMillerRD at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order. 
They also have a really nice lavender clay face mask that I'm thinking could be a really nice tool for teenagers. We'll talk about acne at some point um, within this or the next episode for teenagers, but a really nice tool as kind of an entry point as well. Yes. All right. So super excited to dive in and just kind of thinking about, you know, myself and all of the health struggles, both, you know, mental, emotional and physical that I could have saved myself from if someone had really taken the time to explain some of this and kind of break down food as medicine 101 when I was a teenager. (laughs) Absolutely. I always was really into my body as an instrument, as a dancer. So I was a very serious dancer, probably starting at age 10 is when I really picked up and was dancing 10 plus hours a week. And then that just increased and increased and increased as I got into my teens. And I remember when I reflect back that I was really fat starved, that I was really protein starved, and I was eating a lot of processed foods. The interesting thing is I never made the connection of why I was so fatigued. Mm -hmm. And because I danced so much, I didn't gain body fat. So I thought I was invincible, that I could get the all-American meal through the McDonald's drive-thru and the McFlurry at 9 p.m. after my dance classes at age 17 and that that was all fine. But let me tell you guys, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I hit age 20. Yeah, Yeah. it's not calories in, calories out um, for sure. And yeah, thinking about myself from going on birth control at age 16 and eating nothing but like a slim fast bar or shake for lunch through high school and then having a four hour field hockey practice or game or track meet after that, like, no. No, (laughs) I remember I would often uh, either skip lunch, sorry guys, um, or I would have like a big M&M cookie and a Diet Coke, or I would get bread and dip it in processed cheese dip. So you guys, all I'm saying by this, don't lead by my example then. I wish I had this type of a message (laughs) at that time. Um, And when I reflect back, I'm really saddened, but we can also say that we can relate. Totally. (laughs) That we know all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that's the beauty of this episode. We're not your parents and we're not here to tell you what to do, just here to provide some information to empower you to maybe make better choices. So let's kick this off with just a simplified breakdown of kind of what food as medicine is and why food matters at this age. Yes. So, you know, it really is true that you are what you eat. Everything you put in your mouth gets broken down through your digestive process and gets absorbed through your gut blood barrier. So basically everything you put in your mouth goes through your bloodstream and your body has to then determine what is friend and what is foe. So what is a nutrient that's going to support your brain health? What is a nutrient that's going to support your growth and development? What is a nutrient that's going to be required for exercise or for energy metabolism? And then what are these other things? things that the body doesn't understand what to do with. And then these other things would be processed products, uh, would be chemical additives, artificial food colorants, and so much more. And so the goal is that we're eating more things that the body identifies and recognizes and knows what to do with, and less things that will tax our body's system, create stress, and drive either inflammation, which is basically a process in the body that can be seen with 
a pain, can be seen with a foggy brain, can be seen with what would be other inflammatory processes. Because inflammation is already a big word, Becky. I'm going to need your help in this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, inflammation. Let's take it back a moment. (laughs) Uh, Things that are going to slug your body down, make you feel sluggish and less functional, less optimized. So the idea with how Becky and I practice as medical practitioners is we use functional medicine and basically everything we do, we try to incorporate something that optimizes how the body works and to reduce the things that would slug down the way that the body works. So again, we can see inflammation as something that could drive fatigue. It could drive pain. It could drive an injury like in sports performance. It could drive acne. Mm -hmm. It could drive weight gain. Uh, menstrual cramps even and, and worsen PMS symptoms, I think is a big one for this population too. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to lower inflammation and we want to optimize function in the body. And it all starts with whole single food ingredients. And when we think back a couple decades to even, even your grandparents, but especially your great grandparents, it was not common for them to eat anything other than whole foods. So a lot of these processed ingredients that we're seeing on the market are still new for the human body. And when we look in adulthood and we look at the amount of medications that people have to go on, you know, we're talking many people over the age of 70 are on five plus medications. And we're seeing things like chronic disease states of cancer, diabetes, elevated blood pressure, heart disease, a lot of these things can be managed if the diet is clean. Totally. And maybe let's break down a little bit further on just kind of what a whole food is and and maybe get a little 101 level of looking at a food, looking at an ingredient, you know, label if, if we're doing something that comes in a package and how to know if it's a real food. Sure. So one really simple thing is to just ask yourself, can you imagine it growing? Because your first goal so far that we've just presented is eat more whole foods. So how do we identify what a whole food is? You want to imagine it growing. So if we're looking at a pack of Sour Patch Kids or Takis or a soda can, we cannot imagine any of those things growing. If we're looking at an apple or we're looking at an avocado or we're looking at a piece of steak or we're looking at an egg, we can imagine all of these things growing, right? The next question is, are all of its edible parts intact? And so this would be the distinguishable variable of an orange versus orange juice. So if you look at an orange that has all of its edible parts intact, because you'll see actually in a lot of my recipes in the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, we even use orange zest. It's a great boost of vitamin C and antioxidants, which can help drive clear skin, can support detox, and have a lot of benefits for the body. Um, We also see in the pith, the white furry stuff in your orange when you're peeling your orange. Um, If you were to cut sections and then, you know, bite off the segments of the orange, you're still going to get some of that furry pith when you're chewing your orange. And a lot of that soluble fiber That's very supportive for the body as well as the digestive tract. And there are nutrients in that white furry pith that have been shown in research to battle against breast cancer and also have benefits as specific antioxidants to reduce the inflammation in the body. So all of that kind of baseline that can drive havoc. Now, if you take it a step further on blood sugar control and you think of orange juice, a serving of orange juice or a serving of any you know liquid juice or sweetened product is about four ounces. So that's really about two to three swallows 
four ounces is very small. Most of us in the household drink out of like a pint glass, like a 12 or a 16 ounce glass. Four ounces would be very small, about three swallows. And if you think of the time it takes to take three gulps of orange juice, that could be done in 30 seconds or 45 seconds. And that's like lighter fluid to your blood sugar because that orange juice is not going to have that soluble fiber of the pith, right? And you're not going to chew that orange. So you're going to get a dynamic spike of blood sugar and that follows by a dynamic crash. And this is why based on, we'll talk about breakfast choices in a little bit, but based on what you fuel your body with to start the day, this is going to have a big role on your hunger cues or your appetite regulation throughout the day. Because if you get a dynamic blood sugar spike, you're going to get a crash and then your body sends you hormones and signals to eat again. And then you have to, you know, white knuckle it or deal with a grumbling belly while you're waiting through your next class period to be able to grab something from your locker. Or you're like falling asleep on your desk. I never made that connection in like middle and high school that like after lunch, I would get such a big dramatic dip after I had my super high carb, you know, highly processed lunch. (laughs) Totally. So the first two things are, can you imagine it growing? Are all of its edible parts still intact? And so that's the variance of the orange versus the orange juice. And we've already started to now discuss a little bit about blood sugar, which Mm -hmm. we'll get deeper into in a moment. But the next question you would ask about for a whole food is what's been done to it since harvest. So do you want to give an example there, Becky? Sure. Um, So even thinking about something like A carrot, right? Um, A carrot versus a baby carrot, I think is a really good example because I know I ate baby carrots with ranch like all the time when I was was a teenager. Healthy choice and healthier than Takis and (laughs) totally. Um, But if we think about, you know, that carrot coming direct out of the ground, it's still going to have edible parts, you know, um, intact. It's going to be a whole food form. It'll still have even the inedible bits of like the greens and the dirt that you wash off. Um, and then, you know, to make that into something like a baby carrot, what they actually do is, um, kind of compress or chop up the carrots and shoot them through these little molds and then dip them in a solution that's going to prevent oxidation. Or like if you cut a carrot in your fridge and, and just stored it, you'd see it turn a little bit like white and not as attractive. So that's several steps already that have happened, you know, since that harvest versus a carrot that you just, you know, chop into a stick on its own. And the importance of that, again, is that you're getting more nutrient density. So there are hundreds of carotenoids. You may have heard of the word beta carotene and or someone telling you, oh, carrots are good for your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of that vitamin A support there. But there are hundreds of carotenoids. And if you taste a carrot that has its greens intact, like from your farmer's market, or you get a, a, a closer to a whole food choice at your grocery store, your natural food store, you will notice a lot more carroty <laughs> of a carrot flavor. It's going to have a lot more complexity of flavor and taste better, whereas those baby carrots just taste kind of watery. So there's always a lineage of good, better, best. But the the closest you can get to a whole food that you can imagine growing, having all of its parts intact, and having less done since harvest is going to be the best. And obviously, the further away, the more you get to a food that you can also apply the inch rule when you're looking at a product, Mm -hmm. where you just take your finger and you you, um, bend your finger so that your fingertip is pressing up against your palm and you'll see you know a little flat inch kind of gets made by your uh, second and third knuckle 
and you can just hold your finger up to a product. And if the ingredients are longer than that finger inch, then it is probably a processed product that your body will not know what to do with and does not belong in your body as opposed to a whole real food. And I have to say, some of the print on some of those packages is really small. So also looking at like five ingredients or less and looking for ingredients that you recognize and can pronounce. Um, And if like your mom can't read them either and can't pronounce them, that's a good indicator that those are likely not whole foods. Yeah, I used to work with an organization in the inner cities of Houston and we would do this example where we would take a Hot Pocket and we would make pizza from our garden and we would have the children rotate the chalk (laughs) to write the ingredients Mm -hmm. in a Hot Pocket and it would go through 20 kids plus a rotation um, to put all the ingredients. And it's like, it was so funny because these were eight-year-olds and they'd be writing partially hydrogenated <laughs> soybean oil, <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's an ingredient. But once something is in that level of process, partially hydrogenated, we can see some really harmful effects to the human body. And so we would look at the variants of the chalkboard filled with ingredients that no one knew no one could draw or no one could identify or point their finger to. And then on the other chalkboard, we would make a pizza from scratch. And so it would have ingredients like tomatoes, basil, olive oil, garlic, onion, you know, and that's the difference. So it can have multiple ingredients, but we want to, I think that's a great point, Becky, be able to identify and recognize them. And that's generally going to say that your body will recognize them too. Totally. All right. Um, let's, just talk a little bit more about the importance of this blood sugar balance and carb control and and why that's important for hormones, energy, metabolism. I know we'll circle back um, toward the end on some of our favorite kind of snacks that, you know, might come from a package or might be convenience type foods that fit the bill of of all of those whole food um, ingredients. So stay tuned for that part too. Okay. So the big picture of blood sugar, like I mentioned with the the juice being like that lighter fluid for your blood sugar, the, the more dynamic your blood sugar spikes, the more dynamic your blood sugar crashes. Okay. And I know many of you listeners have probably experienced hanger, which is a combination of hungry and angry or irritable. And I know I see it with my four-year-old if we aren't watching her timing of her eating or getting her enough protein or fat. Um, And so when we have carbohydrates, carbohydrates first are including your starchy foods. So most of the snack products like crackers, cookies, chips, These all fall within carbohydrates. Then any sweetened beverage, so if it's like Gatorade, pop, um, juices, these are all going to be really refined carbohydrates as well. And then there are more natural or whole food-based carbohydrates like your starchy vegetables, like your sweet potato, your carrots, your uh, Yukon gold potatoes. And then we also can see our starches in our beans and legumes. So like black beans, pinto beans, lentils, uh, and grains. So grains could be in the form of a whole food like rice or quinoa, or it could be in, again, the processed flour foods, which is the, the base of like crackers and stuff, such pizza crusts and things like that. Um, We also see carbohydrates in a whole food form in our fruits. So did I name all the sections? Sugary beverages, processed crackery, cakes, fruits, starchy veg, and grains and beans. Yep. 
And so, you know, you want to choose again of your good, better, best. Best is going to be something in its whole food form because it's going to have more fiber and fiber is going to blunt or block how dynamic the blood sugar levels spike. So it's kind of going to create more of like a speed bump versus a dynamic mountain peak or at least less dynamic because that fiber is going to slow down the blood sugar breakdown. And this is important because when your blood sugar spikes, again, you release a lot of insulin and insulin is a hormone that tells your body to get that blood sugar down. And like I said, many people go too low because their body over responds with insulin. And then they find themselves with a low blood sugar where they're looking for that vicious cookie cycle. They want another pick me up. And so they want another sugary snack or something to have to get that energy boost back. Also, over time, when our blood sugar spikes and that insulin is released, we can only store so much of that sugar in our cells so that excess blood sugar actually gets stored as fat. And this is the tra- a trick where, you know, often when we're looking at something and we're looking at the calories, we can see something that could be, you know, still very low calorie, driving a lot of body fat based on that blood sugar spike over time if we're constantly stimulating that blood sugar. And when we're looking at carb control, it's also important to then consider adding a protein or a fat to a carbohydrate. And so this is a term where I call it no naked carbs. And I think we're gonna hit label lingo in a little bit, right, Becky? Okay, so just generally speaking, when you are having like a fruit, it would be superior to have some almond butter or to have um, some pistachios. That's what Stella often has with her fruit or a string cheese stick. Um, Having a protein or a healthy fat is going to further make that less of a speed bump or less of a dynamic blood sugar spike. Yes, and we'll give you more examples of of those kind of things in a moment. Um, Let's just clarify for the record that (laughs) fat-free... doesn't mean that it won't cause body fat gain. Yes. And, you know, obviously those of us that are in the tween ages should really just be working on getting healthy eating. But I know that as early as age 12 and such, I was aware of, of body fat and hormone Mm -hmm. changes and starting to look at these things. And so I just want to make sure no one makes that mistake that I did. I was, you know, kind of on the tail end of the fat free era and, you know, saw my mom doing various fat free things. And so I thought that fat free meant healthy, but we definitely see that in up-to-date research, fats can be very healthy for the body when they come from whole food sources. So going for the avocado on top of your bowl at Chipotle or when you're eating out at a Mexican restaurant, having the avocado can actually be a really great boost for your metabolism, really good support for healthy skin, really good way to manage your blood sugar levels for energy regulation. Um, And again, selecting things like the nut butters and olive oil, having dressing on your salad, This is all really essential to aid in the absorption of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. And I often would think that having Sour Patch Kids, which were one of my Achilles heels (laughs) of the processed food world, I could eat an entire thing of Sour Patch Kids 
And I thought that, oh, well, it's it says zero grams of fat on the front. It says fat-free, so I can eat this whole thing. It's not going to do anything to my body composition. Um, and I didn't have that understanding of when you create a blood sugar spike, that excess blood sugar is actually stored as fat. So you could actually gain more fat than something that had higher grams of fat in the product because it's based on what your body does with the fuel source. Totally. I fell into the Twizzlers <laughs> trap and would eat like a whole bag of those. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, let's talk a little bit about maybe putting this into application and, um, carb control, you know, pairing protein with healthy fats and, and maybe an application of like breakfasts, um, to take in the car or even something that you could like eat at school, you know, in homeroom, if that's allowed these days. <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, even at home, if those of you that are doing a homeschool option this sure. year, which I know a lot of you are, uh, you know, this is still really important to maintain ritual and healthy habits and a good routine, if you will. So breakfast is something that, like I said, kind of sets the tone of our cravings, of our hunger, and also of our energy. And we see in research that when you get 15 grams of protein at breakfast, so that's something to really think about, 15 grams of protein at breakfast, you're going to have better concentration and focus throughout the day. And that also can set the tone for good metabolism throughout the day. And I want to note mood because I wrote the anti-anxiety diet using the premise of carb control. Becky and I, when we're working with kids that are dealing with ADHD, neurological conditions, depression, anxiety, or just irregular jags in behavior and mood that tend to fluctuate with hormone changes in this age population, one of the best ways that you can manage your mood is through carb control. Because again, if you're on this roller coaster ride of peaks and valleys, your mood is going to be very responsive within that. So focusing on protein-rich foods for breakfast is going to be highly superior to your standard high-carb breakfast because a lot of the breakfast foods right now could have upwards of like four to five slices of bread in them at your breakfast table. And when I'm talking about that, basically every 15 grams of carbs can be imagined as a slice of bread. So if you're looking at a cliff bar and you're seeing that that's 46 grams of carbs on there, you have to imagine one, two, three slices of bread sitting at your breakfast table. And then if you would have that cliff bar with 12 ounces of orange juice, which is like a standard pour that mom or dad might think is a healthy pour, you know, that's looking at now, because again, every four ounces of juice, okay, that's four, eight, 12. You're looking at six slices of bread and there's no way that you could sit through and eat six slices of bread. You'd feel so stuffed and bloated and full. And you'd also get a dynamic blood sugar reaction. Well, now because of processed foods, they can pack all of this amount of carbohydrate into these small, dense packages. So when you're looking at your carb control, that's one of the first things you can start to think about is how many slices of bread equivalent would be in this product? And that can help you to kind of make a decision. I generally would try to keep all of your breakfast within like 20 to 30 grams of carbs or like that one to two slices of bread max as far as a, a visual representation. And then protein, let's talk about maybe amount of protein that's appropriate at breakfast and, and what we want to strive for. Yeah. So, you know, I said the goal of 15 grams, but that might not resonate in yeah. like what that looks like or what that is. So again, if we were talking about like a standard breakfast of like a bowl of cereal and milk and orange juice, 
that similar to the Cliff Bar and orange juice, we could easily see, you know, six plus slices of bread, which would be saying, you know, six times 15, okay, as far as grams of carbs. So what are we talking about? 15, 30, 45, 60, 75, 90 grams mm-hmm. of carbs. And I want you to stay at 20 to 30 grams of carbs. So we're talking about a pretty significant slash there. So your carbohydrate foods should really just be coming from like your berries, your low glycemic fruit, maybe half of a banana, maybe a little bit of grain, um, like an overnight oatmeal. And now as we're talking about these types of combinations, this is where that protein starts to become more of a, a visual. So if you're doing overnight oats, which we have a great recipe for on the blog and in the Naturally Nourished um, cookbook, um, overnight oats is taking like your steel cut, or excuse me, not your steel cut, your rolled gluten-free oats, and you soak them in almond milk, unsweetened and Greek yogurt. So your Greek yogurt starts to add that protein. Greek yogurt is going to be strained and it's going to have more protein. And then you can add just a little bit of berries because about two thirds cup of Greek yogurt is going to give you that 15 grams of protein. And that combination would be much more balanced than the other examples I was giving. Doing something like eggs in the morning would be an awesome way to get your protein in. So you could do egg scramble with a little bit of cheese and some bell peppers and onions, or you could just do eggs and cheese, and you could even do a couple slices of bacon on the side. You could do egg muffins or like quiches in advance. You could use the um, Mikey's sandwich thins. Um, These are like an almond flour and egg white based... uh, like English muffin kind of vibe thing, which you can toast and you could put almond butter on one half. um, And then the other side, you could put a couple scrambled eggs on and do that with some avocado. Um, Or you could do the egg muffins where you use muffin tins. And we have a bunch of recipes like the uh, caramelized uh, onion, kale, and turkey sausage egg muffins that are in the anti-anxiety diet book. We have a pizza one that might be more more approachable. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, you could do an almond flour muffin. So like the banana banana almond uh, blueberry muffins where we actually add collagen in there. Um, And you can add grass-fed butter on there so you're getting healthy fat to be grounded. Smoothie these are an awesome option and these can work really well for breakfast or lunch so for your lunch there's now so many cool like swell water bottles and all the different brands of water bottles that are stainless steel Um, these are going to be great because they don't leach the plastics but they also can keep things insulated so you could do a smoothie where you're able to actually add in like a handful or two of spinach or other leafy greens and then you could use full fat coconut milk add you know an organic frozen berry blend and um, a scoop of the grass-fed whey from the naturally nourished grass-fed whey protein and that's going to give you 24 grams of protein so for those of you that are on the older age threshold that might be really appropriate or you could do a half scoop of the protein and get 12 grams there and then a little bit more from like your nut butter if you are in the like 10 to 12 age range and then chia pudding, I think, could be a fun one, too. That I know even some restaurants are starting, like True Food Kitchen has a chia pudding on their menu, but that would be a great option for a make-ahead breakfast, too. And what would you all put in there, Becky? Give a little description of that. Well, I would use chia seeds, which are going to be kind of gelatinous in that they soak up the liquid um, when you whisk them in with a liquid. And I would probably do like a full-fat canned coconut milk and dilute that with a little bit of water because you do need a you know liquid volume um to not make it into like a goopy glob (laughs) and then i would 
add probably some collagen or whey to increase the protein, but those chia seeds, because they really expand and swell up, they're a really good source of fiber. They're going to keep you pretty darn full. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'd want to add, you know, some form of a whole food sweetener. So either honey or maple syrup could work really nicely. Um, maybe whipping in some berries or something like that toward the end cacao powder yeah like chocolate yeah <laughs> yeah that's how i do it these days for sure yeah so all of those are going to be more low glycemic which low glycemic just means uh lower blood sugar metabolism not getting that dynamic blood sugar spike of like a mountain peak so lower glycemic is going to mean more sustained steady blood sugar throughout the day and all of these foods, like Becky said, if it's the chia pudding or a smoothie, we're always going to add a protein powder coming from likely collagen or the naturally nourished grass-fed whey. But the Greek yogurt, even on its own, if you aren't doing the overnight oats, to just do Greek yogurt with honey and berries and maybe sprinkle in some chia seeds would be another delivery. But every single option, you really want to aim for that 15 grams of protein and you also want to equally prioritize keeping your carbohydrates in check, meaning not going above that 30 grams of carbs at any single meal. Yes. And I'll link a bunch of easy recipes from our blog. I know when I was a teenager, I was starting to get interested in the kitchen, but I was cooking from like the Rachel Ray 30 minute meals. You know, basically I made baked macaroni and cheese all the time. <laughs> and I was thinking of like breakfast bars and I started to get, you know, into the health bars, but they were mm. like Nutrigrain and a lot of these like rolled oat bars. And again, they had like 42 to 50 plus grams of carbs. A lot of them had a lot of processed like evaporated cane juice, which is, you know, a word for sugar, um, a lot of processed refined sugar and, you know, definitely very low in protein, like less than four grams. And I always had injuries in my um, tendons, especially when I was doing point as a ballerina. And I think a lot of that had to do with the low protein that I was taking in. Totally. Let's jive on bars, actually, now that you mentioned it. Just um, I know you mentioned the cliff bars and being potentially 45 grams of carbs, which I lived on those for a long time. Um, but I think there are some other kind of better options on the market if you don't have time to make a breakfast or if that's like just not a reality for you right now yeah. what about some that you like yeah so the ones that i tend to recommend are rise bars r-i-s-e uh, they tend to have only three ingredients so they're a great example of that you know less than five ingredients everything being identifiable they use like almond butter honey and grass-fed whey is one of the example bars and i find them to be a great texture they have a great ratio so let's talk a little bit about ratios mm -hmm. of carb to protein balance so we talked about how they're important one general rule of thumb is that you always want at least half of the protein as the carbohydrate, but it could be a greater ratio. So as an example, if we're back to that cliff bar and we're talking about 46 grams of carbohydrates, a lot of those bars have 11 or eight or so grams of protein. So half of 46 is what? 23? Yes. <laughs> I was giving them a break to answer. Good job. Um, and so, right, you'd want to see 23 or more. The rise bars are a great ratio because they're a one-to-one -one or just about that. So it'll be like 20 grams of carbs to 20 grams of protein. And that means that you're going to be meeting beyond your protein needs and definitely staying within your carb control. And then there's some other ones that I like, like the RX bars are a pretty good example. They fit the at least half ratio. Um, and so these are bars that use dates, 
nuts and egg white protein as their protein source. And so they are very clean. It is similar to a Lara bar, but a Lara bar will not have that protein goal. Um, the Lara bar will have the healthy fat from the nuts and seeds, and it is kind of a cleaner, more single ingredient bar, but superior to that would be the RX because it's going to have more protein grams. So it might be like 22 grams of carbs to 12 grams of protein. And so again, half of 22 would be 11. So boom, with hitting that 12 grams of protein, you're fitting the bill. Um, so rise bars, RX bars, the perfect uh, bars, that was the refrigerated ones. Yeah. Are, you want to talk about that one? Too. I don't know the macros on them off the top of my head. I know they do sell them at Costco and we just picked up a box, um, but they're really good. Um, either almond butter, peanut butter, or other nut butter base. Um, and they're very satisfying. I think they use whey protein in them as well. Yes. And I think they might have a blend actually one that has a pea protein, but, but the perfect bars do check out. I've checked those in clinic Mm -hmm. before and they do have at least that half threshold. So these are three good examples. We'll for sure link in our show notes and great things for you to have, you know, in your bag, uh, either for your lunch or on your way, if you have a sports activity after school, uh, or as a midday snack, or could be a breakfast. Some of these, like the perfect bar actually, I believe is like 280 calories or something like that. It's a pretty substantial portion where for those of you that, that are used to skipping breakfast or having something light, just like a piece of toast with, with, you know, peanut butter, this would be superior to that. Cause at least you're getting that grass fed whey protein in there, um, or the, the plant-based protein powder in there. So at least half of the grams of protein of the, uh, carbohydrates is one rule of the label lingo. And then you could also consider, you know, when you're looking for a snack option beyond a bar, things like meat sticks. So these may have seven to 10 grams of protein, but zero grams of carb. Like Chomps is a really good brand that we tend to have in our household often. Um, there's Nick's meat sticks. There's a ton of options. You want to look for, of course, grass fed as a good source, but a meat stick can work really well as a quick, quick thing to grab. And it can really mellow out the mood, feel very grounding if you aren't able to grab something. And if you had to pair it with something like, you know, good, better, best, let's say you were going for a bag of chips, it would still be superior to have the meat stick with that because that will at least offset that 20 or so grams of carbs with zero protein in that chip selection. Totally. Um, Let's dig into maybe some of our other good on the go and um, maybe some options for building a healthy lunch, whether at school or at home. Yeah. So for lunch, just like breakfast, you would also want to get at least 15 grams of protein. So this is really looking at like two ounces of protein. So you can definitely use deli meats like uh, in-house roasted turkey or ham or roast beef. Um, All of these would be an option. And we would just say that when you know, mom's buying that we look for things that are nitrite free and things that are, you know, the closest to, again, least processed options, but these can work really well. Uh, Stella and myself, we prefer more like leftovers. Like we, I would much prefer chunks, chunks of a chopped up, you know, grilled chicken breast, for example. I just like the texture of that more. And I find two ounces of that is easier to get in than like the thin cut deli Mm -hmm. meats. Um, but you can do what works for you. Stella will often bring leftover, uh, burger, 
Um, we'll do like kebabs, which are fun. And um, that can be fun to do with your mom or dad in the household. And then in the kebabs, you can also incorporate color and antioxidants. So I would say you should always have at least two colors in your lunch as a goal. And this can come from a vegetable or a fruit. So you might have some cut up strawberries and you might have some cucumber slices, or you might have some leftover roasted broccoli or some zucchini on your kebab. Um, and you might have some apple slices or you might have some blueberries. So two colors would be really important, getting at least 15 grams of carbs. And then what would be another idea, Becky? What about some ways to add fat? I'm thinking nut butter. Um, if at school, you'd want to make sure, you know, that you're not at a nut-free school. Um, but doing like a nut butter um, in a packet we use these F-bombs that are macadamia nut butter, and they're a really satisfying snack. They've got a good 20 grams of fat in them, and that's another thing. I think running out the door, definitely a better-than-nothing option that'll hold you over to your next meal. But doing a nut butter pack of those or like the Wild Friends um, peanut butter or almond butter, those don't have any um, additives or, or added sugar to them. So that's something you want to look for as well, especially with the nut butters and nut butter packs, because there's so many on the market right now. Yes. And then you could do the single serving guacamole mm -hmm. or uh, hummus could be a decent one. You know, it just depends on the ingredient profile, but both of those dippers could be a great way to also add some healthy fats. And you may even consider like for, for Stella, sometimes what we'll do is we'll use leftover rotisserie chicken as her protein. And then we just drizzle olive oil on it. Or you can do an aioli, which is um, a mayo base. So your mom or dad or you could mix like an avocado based uh, mayo with a little bit of ketchup. Uh, and that could make a really good like Thousand Island kind of sauce or a good dippable um, or just mixing that in with any seasonings that you care for. Could be like Italian seasoning and a little bit of the mayo. And then that could be something that you dip your veggies in. You could even also look at the Greek yogurt as a good delivery for fat and protein. And that could be a portion as a side, you know. And so you could do that with berries and with a little bit of honey or you could do the Greek yogurt um, savory, like we do in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook. Stella loves that, where you make like a ranch kind of flavor profile, and then you could dip carrots and celery and tomatoes into that. Totally. Um, and if we're gonna do something out of a package um, that's a carb, there are definitely better options out there. So something like Jackson's Honest Sweet Potato Chips, again, we'd wanna pair those with protein and or fat in that lunch so doing that with like the guacamole packs was that the first time you tried them becky last weekend it's the first time i tried the purple heirloom ones and then i tried to find them at whole foods and they didn't have them oh goodness <laughs> i was so bummed like i've been missing out um yes. but they're really really good and and they're very single ingredient focused so that company uses um either heirloom potatoes or sweet potatoes coconut oil and salt, I think, That's is it. the three ingredients. And I know they make like lunch-friendly packs as well. Yes. And then, and that's a good option for the nut-free mm -hmm. schools. And then I think you meant, did you mention already the Simple Mills? No, those are great okay. too. Um, and they have single-serving packs as well. Yep. And we'll just often, we use like a bento box in our household. So I, I think it's just cheaper, but the single serving can be practical. Um, but you can also just pull out like, you know, 10 to 12 crackers. And that's a really good serving to do with maybe some cut up cheese cubes 
another great way where the cheese is going to serve as a protein. And then the difference of like a simple Mills cracker to like a wheat thin or a Triscuit is that this is almond flour based. And so you're actually starting with a foundation that gives you more protein and fat and gives you more nutrient density. There's a lot of uh, more vitamins and um, healthy compounds in the almond base than we would get in a processed refined flour. Um, so we try to avoid the flour-based foods, which would be most crackers and cookies and breads as a staple food, because for a lot of people, the flour enrichment, there's a synthetic enrichment that goes on and that can be uh, stressing on the body. And then a lot of the flour-based foods can irritate the gut as well. Totally. And we have a whole blog post on, um, I think it's called back to school lunches, but it's appropriate for lunches wherever you are. Um, but a whole blog where you can kind of pick out. And I often will recommend this, you know, when I'm working with, um, teenagers and in clinic, like let's go through this and highlight three options in each category. So we break it down of your protein choice, your fat choices, your carb choices and highlight three options that you would be okay with going into your lunch if you're not the one making it or three options to kind of cue you to make sure that your lunch is balanced and you're checking all of those boxes as you're assembling it. Awesome. I think that that's great. And it always starts with, like Becky said, kind of starting to be willing to incorporate these things. And then as you understand the connection of how you feel, I think that that's the most compelling. So really be open to giving your body feedback. I know already with my four-year-old, she can specifically say, oh, we talk about her her microbiome, which is kind of a deep topic, um, but basically your gut bacteria. And we all have about three to five pounds of bacteria that live in our body that can either support our immune system, support our metabolism, support our mood, or work against us. And um, there's a book that we love called Buddies in My Belly, and it talks about the different strains of gut bacteria and how those support the human body. And it talks about the foods that fuel the buddies in the belly and then the foods that harm the buddies in the belly. And you know when we're talking about these uh, plant-based foods like our fruits and vegetables, and we're talking about these healthy fats and proteins, these all fuel the buddies in the belly, especially if then you're eating probiotic foods like um, getting in that Greek yogurt or having some kombucha on occasion and things like that. Um, that's where you're going to get really good, healthy microflora that works for you. Because Stella will maybe have a friend's birthday party and she'll... Um, come home and say, oh, the buddy's in my belly. <laughs> and so she gets like a sour stomach and she can make that connection. So as you start to kind of clean up and make choices that are single ingredient and work for your body, you know, maybe you'll expand beyond just the cucumber and the bell pepper and the carrots to incorporating split peas or sugar snap peas in your lunch or then having kale chips or, you know, kind of pushing the envelope further and just kind of seeing how your taste and your uh, flavor profile becomes more open to exploring some of those simple flavors as you uh, remove some of those really heavily processed foods. Totally. And I think that's a great point and like something I had to learn the hard way too as a teenager. I never really connected the dots between how I was feeling and what I was eating. And I think I could have saved myself a lot of GI issues had I recognized that the bagel that I was having like as my lunch or the giant cookie, I did that too. They had like the 
yeah two for a dollar heat up the cookie in the you know little microwave oven thing um and then i'd have a stomach ache like every single day and not connect the dots yeah i remember that i would like the sound of tums uh i used to have tums in my glove compartment from like seriously age 16 to mm-hmm. 19 and i and it was because i ate so many processed refined carbs and my stomach was just always sour i think and it took a lot like five to 10 years, I'm still probably in the process of resetting that. Uh, But it also took me a while to appreciate vegetables. It wasn't until I became vegetarian uh, until I really started to force myself to eat vegetables because my mom only made them like the microwave way and I never liked vegetables or like in my cafeteria at school where they were just like steamed and gross. I will promise you guys, if you follow the vegetable recipes in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook or the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, or the blog recipes over at naturallynourishedrd.com and you make any of those with mom or dad or on your own, that we make sure that your food tastes good because it is important that you enjoy what you're eating while you're supporting your body. And I would say, you know, when I went vegetarian, then everything went to totally like cheese pizza, mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. And then when I went (laughs) vegan was when I was like, okay, well now I really have to figure out how to like these vegetable things. And, uh, you know, now I happily incorporate the animal protein back in and, and maybe that's something to just jive on for a little bit, Becky. I was going to say, I feel like at this age, we're getting a lot of influx of maybe friends or people we follow on Instagram that Celebrities. are vegan or going vegan. And um, I think that's an important conversation for us to have and something that I wish someone had saved me from. Um. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a, roll, a word from our sponsor and we will come back after the sponsorship to talk about three reasons why you might want to second guess transitioning to a vegetarian diet and supplementation to use if you choose to do so. And then we'll go into kind of dining out and some fun stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. So Wild Foods is a company that we absolutely love that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to turmeric to medicinal mushrooms, and every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms around the globe. They take their mission seriously to fix the broken food system and believe like we do that food is medicine. And maybe let's just break down a couple of the products that we love from Wild Foods. I've been digging their um, Cocotropic mix, which is a raw cacao blend that has some, um, it's got maca in it. It's got, I think, turmeric in it. It has it some um, adaptogenic mushrooms in chaga. it. Chaga. Chaga. Yes. And, and reishi. Reishi. Um, and I've actually been using this. I just did it because I ran out of regular cacao powder, but I've been using it in like our chocolate avocado mousse recipe, which is a really great one. Um, And also in a chia pudding. So getting a little bit of added boost in there, but that can also serve really, really nicely as like a hot chocolate or in smoothies or blended into coffee. Absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of all of their teas. I am just finishing up my 10-day detox here. And I have been drinking their Twilight Black most days, as well as the matcha. And I am somewhat of a matcha connoisseur. And I will state that the Wild Foods matcha is so vibrant. 
It is a fantastic flavor profile and I can tell it's just not oxidized or aged or damaged like a lot of the products that you see on the pro- on the market out there. And I love matcha because it provides a concentrated boost of L-theanine. L-theanine is my number one go-to when I'm talking about regulating brain chemistry, if we're talking about neurotransmitter imbalance for anxiety, depression, or for ADHD and concentration and focus. So even for teens and tweens, coffee is usually that kind of gateway Mm -hmm. stimulant that starts to become on trend. And I'd be a huge proponent of playing with matcha, which is easily more trendy (laughs) and can support healthy brain chemistry and not overstimulate us where often when we're doing too much coffee, we can get that epinephrine surge or adrenaline surge, and that can create almost like a panic or anxiety the matcha or just drinking their green tea or any of their herbal teas might even be a better option like their coconut chai or the Thai G, which is a beautiful green rooibos with ginger and lemongrass and lime. All of these work really well as infusions that you can do iced or as a delicious hot beverage that you can blend with full fat coconut milk, add in some collagen or some grass-fed whey. So we're a huge proponent of wild foods. Like Becky said, they painstakingly source things from the best growers around the globe. And these are real food, real ingredients from small family farms. All of their products are gluten-free, preservative-free, have whole food origins, and are going to be very foodicinal or food as medicine supporting. Go on over to wildfoods.co, that's .co, and check out all of the product offerings they have. If you use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, you will get 12% off of your order. Again, it's wildfoods.co. Use AllieMillerRD at checkout. All right, so let's hit this big question of maybe why to reconsider if you're thinking about going vegan or vegetarian or what we can at least do to support our systems if we are already vegan or vegetarian. Sure. And and maybe, you know, there's a great episode, actually, I think Becky's first episode, it's episode 42, and um, it's on transitioning from a vegetarian or vegan diet. And that whole episode, Becky and I share our story of, you know, why we chose to become vegetarian and then ultimately vegan. And then also what health hazards we experienced personally. And, you know, the first thing I'll say is that there is a lot of marketing, especially to this age group in the PETA organizations and in a lot of the animal welfare organizations. And there's a lot of, you know, viral documentaries going on with COFA, which is the confined animal farm operations and slaughterhouses. And it looks very gnarly. And I can understand that it seems like you know, making a good choice to be kind to animals would be the best step is to go vegetarian. The, the, the issue that we see all too often is, well, first off, it's not all or nothing. There are local farmers markets. There are local ranchers. Becky and I have personal relationships with many that are very compassionate human beings that care about animal welfare and animals can be raised in a harmonious environment and they can be slaughtered, although that word sounds aggressive, in a almost pain-free, rapid, 
process. And this is, you know, the omnivore-like consumption is really the, the lineage of human survivalship. There are many essential nutrients that animal products provide us that you just cannot get in an ample or in a bioavailable form in a vegetarian counterpart. So the big things we are concerned about are, you know, getting ample protein, while keeping your carbohydrates in check. Because when you're going for a plant-based protein, a lot of the plant-based proteins come from your beans, for example, or your legumes, or you'll see a lot of corn um, in a concentrated product or vital wheat gluten. So if you're looking at like the Beyond Burger or um, any of those types of meat analogs where it's like a vegetarian chicken tender, these types of things, when we go back to that idea of, is it a processed food? Can you imagine it growing? These are going to be heavily processed foods and they're using concentration of these processed products to adulterate or get that false protein from the process. And there's a lot of chemicals that occur in that stripping and refining process. And if not, and you're eating in the whole food, then you're going to be getting very high carbohydrate in attempts to get ample protein. Yeah. Totally. And, and that being said, I think there are things that we can do that kind of bridge the gap, like the smoothies that we mentioned earlier. Grass-fed whey would be a great option if we are consuming animal products, but maybe we're erring toward that vegetarian side. So adding a scoop of that in a smoothie um, would get you, you know, 23 grams of protein and very little carb um, from the actual whey. And then your carbs would come in from fruit if you're willing and open to doing eggs, but maybe you're not at the stage of doing, you know, full on animal protein. I think that can be a really great supportive option too. Um, Or doing fish and maybe you choose not to do red meat. I think those three things can be a really great kind of gateway or, or bridging the gap where you still get protein without the super high carb. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the bare minimum is getting in grass-fed whey uh, or being open to collagen mm-hmm. and then getting in the eggs and uh, fish would be a great add-on for those omega-3 fatty acids for support for anti-inflammatory support and hormones and brain health. Um, I think that that's the big area of, of need for the animal-based products is you know not just the total grams of protein, but the particular types of building blocks of the protein. And there are particular ingredients, like for instance, collagen and gelatin. When we're talking about our tendons, we're talking about you know teenagers that uh, tear their ACL, and we're talking about a lot of the sports injuries and such. Getting collagen and gelatin, which is only from an animal-derived product, can be a really therapeutic tool to support that connective tissue resilience, especially for our athletes. And that's something that I wish I knew as a ballerina. I would have been taking a scoop of collagen every single day or two if someone had told me that or if the products were available, I guess, in that time. Um, Let's talk about maybe a couple other nutrients of focus as highlight, Becky. Yeah, I think B12 is a really big one. And I know for myself personally, I think in your story too, I was very functionally deficient in B12 after probably five years of a vegan diet. And prior to that, you know, dabbling in and out of uh, vegetarianism. And this is a nutrient that we can only get from animal products. That would be something, you know, if we are choosing to be vegan or even vegetarian, I would probably supplement with. Yes. So we do have a lozenge, a B12 boost lozenge, which is in the most bioavailable form. 
and you would just put this under your tongue. It's super tiny and it dissolves under your tongue. And that would be a great boost of this nutrient that would otherwise be found predominantly in animal products. And some of the symptoms that we would see with B12 deficiency can be uh, brain fog, difficulty concentrating. We can see anxiety and depression flares. And we can also see neuropathy or like a tingling sensation like pins and needles in our hands and feet. And I know that I had really severe neuropathy, but I didn't know the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just knew that that when I'd get like out of the shower or, you know, walking around after laying down, I would have to like tiptoe to get my blood flow back. My circulation was really bad as well when my B12 was clinically deficient so b12 would be a good one if you choose to be vegetarian or vegan especially and then the you know the multi-defense is going to be a nutrient that we're going to recommend for all diets because this is just a great multivitamin You'd go for the multi-defense with iron if you are a female that is having your menstrual cycle. You would go for the multi-defense just normal without iron if you are not menstruating or for the guys that are listening in on this. So, you know, this would be the multi-defense either with iron or just the multi-defense as your baseline multivitamin, and that'd be regardless of your diet choice. But yeah, the B12, the protein, the collagen and gelatin are definitely some high priorities. And, you know, especially if we're talking about a teen that's dealing with, for instance, like acne or dealing with anxiety and depression, these would be the first line of defense that I would look into. Are they getting enough animal product? Mm -hmm. Because these foods can be really grounding and therapeutic. Yep. And then that iron that you mentioned too, I think is a really big one that I know both of us struggled with very low ferritin scores, which is a marker of your iron storage in the single digits when it should be, you know, 30 to 70 plus, um, or, or even, you know, can go upwards of a hundred or higher and seeing those numbers in, in single digits. I think that trends a lot with why I was so fatigued through high school and college between the B12 and, and the iron. Yeah, most definitely. And then I remember I was always going for those like five hour energy, Uh you know, it was like the like Starbucks on steroids cans and whatever was out there. Let's talk a little bit about concerns of use of excessive caffeine and like the monster drinks and some of those types of products out there. Yeah, totally. That is a a really good point. I remember drinking Red Bull all the time (laughs) in college. And then I like switched over to Yerba Mate, like you know, basically tea on crack, um, out of a can that would have guarana and B12 and things like that. And it wasn't a it. good B12. It was the no. cyanocobalamin, yeah, yeah, yeah. the crappy form. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, often when we're looking for those pick-me-ups, it's because we are depleted. So we have to take a pause back and think, am I fatigued because I'm eating processed carbs, which are driving a blood sugar spike and crash, and then I'm looking to dig myself out of a ditch? Um, Or am I not getting these protein-rich foods that help to give my body this nutrient density um, or getting enough of the, you know, healthy fats or, you know, all these goals that we've already set for you guys. So when you start foundationally with food and then you're taking a good multivitamin like the multi-defense that should really lay an optimal foundation but I really discourage going for the you know high dose caffeine beverages especially like Becky said with other herbal stimulants um, because these can keep your body in a chronic fight or flight response or basically a stressed and wired response and so your body's like (laughs) trying to sit through (laughs) class and then it's like jumping and overreacting on a pin drop or someone drops their pencil or whatnot and um, that can create your body to feel in a place of survival 
which over time will interfere with how your mood is regulated. So you might find yourself in deeper depression or having a hard time creating joy because your adrenal glands, which are your primary stress responding glands, these are the same, same glands of your body that actually make your dopamine. And your dopamine plays a big role with your reward and your bliss seeking. Um, it plays a big role in, you know, just joy overall, as well as addictive tendencies. And so this is a really important age to make sure that we're not burning out our dopamine. And um, I know we'll do a part two of this where we go deeper into adrenals and we talk about ADHD like we did in last episode, but more specific in the context of teens and back to college and Adderall and such. So, so I'll kind of space bar that there, but big picture you know, stimulating yourself is not giving your body any tools to support its function. It's just like a light switch um, buying you time, you know, just getting a blip in the radar. But what you really want to do is think from the root cause. What nutrients does your body need to think sharper? What nutrients does your body need to not feel so fatigued? And why does it feel so fatigued? So we're always looking at the why and the what instead of just a quick rapid band-aid because over time that can burn out the body further. Absolutely. And then, you know, if we were doing caffeine, again, this is probably the age where that starts to come in. The matcha would be a really good starting point to do like a matcha latte in the morning because that's also going to support concentration and focus and and give you that edge without being overstimulatory or, or having some of these other, you know, yucky things in it. And if you're doing coffee, because, yes. you know, I understand too, and coffee <laughs> has a totally different flavor profile and it's kind of, you know, maybe more buzzworthy, maybe consider making your coffee into a protein shake. Totally. So doing like, you know, half of a frozen banana with, um, you know, maybe five ounces or six ounces of cold brew coffee, adding in some full fat coconut milk, um, and then blending that up with maybe a teaspoon or two of cacao, um, which is, you know, the raw cocoa powder, and then adding in a scoop of the grass-fed whey at the end. I call that a banana bolt. Um, and that would be a really great way to get that boost. You still get that protein. You're getting that healthy fat. You're balancing your carbs because you're only having that half of a banana. And that would be like way superior to a frappuccino, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is going to have like <laughs> six or seven slices of bread, especially if you're doing like I was making the mistake of like the double pump of the vanilla or mm-hmm. the double pump of the white chocolate, whatever. But didn't you do sugar-free and fat-free? So it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a lot of processed ingredients that are, again, not going to work for you. Whereas you could do a nourishing coffee beverage. I would really recommend when you have coffee that you do add fat to it though. So adding either, you know, like heavy whipping cream or adding uh, coconut oil and grass-fed butter, like you might see mom doing like with a keto coffee type thing. And then even better extra bonus points if you add collagen or grass-fed whey to add some protein to that. And then that could become something that is like a sustainable meal replacement. Totally. You're just reminding me of like when my, uh, neighboring town finally got a Starbucks and my best (laughs) friend in high school worked there and we like lived on the um, caramel macchiatos oh (laughs) extra sugar-free caramel drizzle oh yeah yeah no bueno um and let's talk a little bit before we go into um getting into we're going to talk breakouts and we're going to talk some essential supplements to wrap up as well as maybe some dining out I think we have time for that Um, I want to just talk a little bit on the world of dopamine and screen time. Sure. So, you know, a lot of us got a hard bag of rocks thrown um, into our lap 
with this transition of the school year coming to a rapid close with pandemic. And this has made quite the shift of the way that we're used to learning, I'm sure. A lot more screen time because now classes are virtual for many of us. Some of us are, are going back to school virtually as is. Um, and so we just need to be aware of, again, kind of this idea of the human body and its capacity for burnout. And when we're looking at the blue light from our screens, this can really interfere with that dopamine, again, that bliss reward-seeking neurotransmitter. And so we may want to request blue blocker glasses. Um, You can get really cute. We'll send some uh, blue blocker glasses links for teens and tweens. So you can get really cool colors. Um, But this protects basically your eyes and your brain um, from getting the impact of that bright blue light, which can interfere with your neurotransmitters, causing brain fatigue, also causing addictive tendencies and irritability, and also causing depression or anxiety. And this is actually heightened when we're doing video games or when we're doing something like social media scrolling, there's actually like a dopamine surge that goes on when you're flick, flick, flicking your phone, especially when you're like refreshing and watching for people to comment on your stuff. There's definitely a, a dopamine addictive element to video gaming and social media. And so we wanna be aware of this on a behavioral level. We wanna set screen time limits. Um, Taking a day off a week to detox from screen time would be so awesome. Just keeping your phone plugged in um, and not spending all day looking at it, not watching the YouTube, even though we launched an awesome YouTube channel. (laughs) um, You know, just taking a little bit of time away from staring at the TV, the computer screen, the YouTube screen, and doing something like painting or journaling or um, getting outside for a walk with your dog or, um, you know, walking with a friend to the park, getting back into nature really resets your brain chemistry to feel safer and moving your body is a really important piece of the puzzle as well. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you hit that in the dopamine conversation for sure. Um, let's touch on dining out and, and maybe a little bit on navigation of that. Cause I feel like as a teenager, that was like the big event to drive, you know, a couple towns over and go to the drive-through and like hang out in the parking lot. Yeah. (laughs) Now I would always get the Asian chicken salad from, uh, Applebee's. That was my Applebee's was our hotspot. (laughs) So I think a salad can be a good option. Um, you can also modify things like you can do a bunless burger, Um, So you can do the burger, add avocado, and do sweet potato fries if that's your carb of choice. So you just kind of want to think in the same concept of like, what's my carb, what's my protein, and think of it in balance. So think of your non-negotiable. If you're going out for Mexican and your non-negotiable is those chips, and you want to do the chips and the salsa and the guac, then maybe consider omitting your rice and omitting your tortilla and doing like a fajita style thing where you eat the grilled chicken and the the fajita vegetables and the guac and just the black beans. Um, And so just think through the process of what is the carb, what is the protein, and especially watch out for like the smoothie stops and like we said, the other like coffee beverage places because easily they can get six, seven, eight slices of bread in those beverages, which we're talking over 100 grams of carbs at this juncture. And we really want to watch that glycemic index. So I had a client, um, a man, you know, in his late 40s that was doing a smoothie that he thought was really healthy. It was like a green 
muscle machine. It only had 12 grams of protein, so less than a scoop of our grass-fed whey, and it had 96 grams of carbs. So we had to remove, it had maple syrup in it. I was like, you don't need maple syrup in a smoothie when it has fruit. (laughs) So we removed the maple syrup. We took out the banana. So we made all these modifications where it was just from the berries and then doubled down on the protein, and we were able to bring it to that ratio of like 36 grams of carbs to 24 protein, and that fit that bill. So if it is, you know, a restaurant that's a chain, you can look at that carb to protein ratio online. And that's something that you might consider doing. And chances are, if you're listening to this, that means mom or dad is pretty well, uh, versed in, you know, the carb to protein stuff because they're into our, our episodes. So they can help you to navigate some swap outs if you're interested in bringing things back in check. And there's so many better options, I think, available to you guys these days as well. Being able to build your own smoothie or bowl um, or something like that. And then maybe doing like a bunless burger if you're dining out at a restaurant is another good option. Okay. So let's close out with some uh, recommendations for just time eating and athletes. And then we will catch you on episode two, where we'll talk all about hormones. We'll talk acne and menstrual cycle cramps and, you know, mood rages and all the things. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, so much to cover. Um, Maybe let's cover this kind of two-part thoughts on fasting for teens, because I know I was like a notorious breakfast skipper. And I'd love to just go through like a a sample day of what our eating schedule would look like and like what a solid breakfast, lunch, dinner, and potential snacks could actually look like. Yes. So, you know, until really hormone levels are regulated in the body, I don't recommend intermittent fasting unless this teen or tween or child was recommended by their physician based on their BMI to have, you know, a a form of aggressive weight loss. If we don't have an abundance of body fat reserves, then the intermittent fasting, I would say you'd really want to wait until you hit at least age 16, but probably age 18 or so until I'd feel comfortable recommending skipping a meal. Otherwise I'd recommend, you know, yes, you should always fast for at least a 12 hour window, like when you're sleeping. And, you know, we still do want to aim for around 12 hours of sleep, um, at least 10, um, hours of sleep every night within this age range. Um, so when we're looking at the kind of layout of intake, if we're eating our last meal at, you know, 8 PM or cutting off with an 8 PM snack after a 6 30 dinner, then we'd be eating by at least 8 a.m. And most of us would be eating around like 7 a.m. or something like that. And so ideally, that could look like, let's say that that's a smoothie. And so that is a cup of strawberries with a third cup of full-fat coconut milk, two-thirds cup of water, a tablespoon of flaxseed in there, uh, blended up, um, a cup of spinach, and then a scoop of grass-fed whey at the end. And that would be the smoothie that would have everything that these age group would need generally speaking, to get out the door and be balanced. And then let's say their lunch is, you know, so that was like 7.15. And then their lunch is, let's say, at, you know, 11.30. And that lunch could have the uh, chunks of, I don't know why I'm saying chunks, but chunks (laughs) of grilled chicken in there and some cherry tomatoes with a little bit of olive oil and basil and some salt and pepper as a side. Uh, Then we could also have some of the 
heirloom carrots, like some purple carrot slices and hummus as a dip. And then there could be Simple Mills crackers, like the almond flour based crackers. And that would be a pretty balanced lunch right there. If there was an after school activity, there could be an apple and a string cheese stick that was eaten at around, let's say 4 p.m. And then that dinner meal could look like our, I don't know, our spaghetti squash casserole, which is like pizza in a bowl, basically, (laughs) where there's spaghetti squash with the grass-fed ground beef and marinara sauce and, um, you know, mozzarella cheese, Italian cheese blend, and some fresh herbs on top and a portion of that. That kind of has everything in there all in one. And that would even leave option to have like some slices of watermelon or peaches or something like that if you wanted a little bit of fruit for dessert because that meal in itself was pretty much protein and um, had your vegetable in there and there wasn't a lot of carbs. There was room for a little bit of a a sweet end note. Sounds like a great day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about how we would do things maybe differently for an athlete i'm remembering like the pasta parties before track meets that we used to do where it was like oh you need to like cram in this huge carb up exactly and i know you were really active as a dancer i was a runner and a field hockey player um let's just hit on maybe highlights of of fuel and recovery and what might look different in that typical day for someone whose expenditure is a little bit more Yeah. So I generally don't see that positive of research of carving up the day before an activity. I don't think that that's sound or utilized by any athletes these days. Uh, But we would want to really make sure that there is ample protein again, because especially you're tearing and looking to repair when you're gaining muscle mass, you're making tiny tears. And so you need those amino acids to aid in the repair and recovery process. I especially would recommend, like I said, for my athletes, collagen or gelatin. Uh, really a couple times a week throughout the week to help with tendons and connective tissue, Uh, especially with like field hockey or anyone that's taking an impact. Our guys that are the football players, um, I have all of my high school football player um, dudes, I was going to say kids, I don't know, yeah, kids, guys, um, on Inflamazyme. Um, Inflamazyme is our supplement that has the proteolytic enzymes that aid with tissue recovery and repair. Um, our aggressive uh, athletes that are doing swimming and, you know, the pre-Olympians, any of our really high-level athletes, we put on Inflamazyme. And, you know, once we're hitting over 80 pounds, they can use four capsules a day, four to six capsules a day. And this would be like at rise and rest. And so this would be something to really watch for. And then post-workout recovery is typically, you know, you do maybe a little bit of carb and protein pre-workout. And then um, that's why I kind of added like that apple string cheese stick. But then you would really make sure post-workout is where you would do usually a little bit of glycogen repletion. And so this is where you could have like a roasted sweet potato on top of that uh, dinner that I recommended if you were a uh, athlete that was burning a lot of glucose during your exercise, that's going to help usually with that depth of sleep and the muscle recovery, less cramping, help with electrolyte stability. And on that vein, um, I will link our favorite electrolyte formula, which is really important for athletes, especially in the summer. Um, watch out for any of those that have all of those added sugars and the crystallized fructose or, you know, the non-caloric sweeteners. None of those are a good choice. Just adding something that is pure electrolytes to your water is absolutely fine. And then, you know, you can add things like lemon and salt and uh, that would work really beautiful. Or like coconut water, using that as a base for a smoothie. And, and if there's time when you come home after practice until dinner, I think a smoothie there, if you didn't do it for breakfast, could be really appropriate too. 
Yes. And really, even if you aren't an athlete, I just can't say enough the importance of movement, especially I'm seeing this as a huge part of a bad impact from pandemic. A lot of people that are more sedentary now, we, you know, we're, we're not only not getting the passive walking from your car to school through the hallways, whatnot, if you're doing things virtually, it's really important that you block movement in throughout your day. You play with standing up more. Now that you have the freedom, if you are doing school from home, you don't have to sit still and not fidget at your desk. You can stand up while you're watching classes. You can, um, you know, move your body. I use a balance board in my office that I love that works your core and helps with, um, you know, balancing even your neurological system. Great tool for those that were looking at regulating neurotransmitters and um, neurochemical balance. So moving your body and getting out for a minimum of 30 minutes a day, every single day in the sunshine is an absolute prescription for mood management and optimal whole body health. And the last thing I'll say in kind of closing in today, because I think we hit some positive food as medicine. We hit a lot of different topics and I think we hit most of the kind of baseline supplements. So again, it would be the multi-defense with or without iron. It would be the grass-fed whey powder, which I think is a great tool to use a couple times a week to get your protein up to goal. I would also look at if you are, again, vegetarian or running low energy, that vitamin B12 boost, which is that uh, under the tongue. And maybe even before that, I would prioritize the Restore Baseline Probiotic um, because this is a time where we see a lot of mood changes and the two strains in the Restore Baseline Probiotic are those that have been evidenced by research to support immune function, really important during this time, but also aid in depression and management of mood. The lactobacillus and the bifidobacterium strains can really work as nature's Prozac and aid in regulating mood and mental health, which is really important to stay proactive with during the trying times of teens and tweens. Totally. And we'll hit more on anxiety and depression for this age group in episode 203. So we've covered so, so much today, probably more than we planned. Thank you guys for sticking with us through all of this and stay tuned for episode 203 where we'll do a deeper dive on hormones, mood, back to school if you're going back to college and and navigating that space as well. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans.